Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Devon, England, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from Wellington, New Zealand, is David Wood. I think they're going to be cheaper, though, than the iMac. As in, as in the iMac Pro. I think they're going to be cheaper than the iMac Pro. I think they're going to be more expensive than the, the sort of regular iMac. I think that's that's for sure. I think they're, they're going to sort of clock in sort of just over um, what that that base iMac kind of cost is. Which is kind of where they sit now, isn't it? The trash can. Yeah. So what's the trash can? Like 26 something something for the base model? I think it's like £2,699. I think I'm getting that right. Which when, which when you look at like a fairly well-respected iMac that you've spec'd up, that's kind of where that tops out for me anyway. You could probably go much further if you start putting Apple's RAM and SSDs in it. But if you if you sort of cool it on the RAM and the SSD, you can generally get a fairly decent um, iMac for... Oh, in fact, I, I worked it out. I think it was £2,609 for, a, for like the latest 5K iMac with a... Uh, 4.2 quad core and you know the nice graphics card and all that kind of stuff would that be about about 8 gig of ram yes um but then you can do like aftermarket ram pretty easily on the imac um in fact that's what i did (laughs) (laughs) i went to crucial and got ram and sort of of ripped the 8 gig out that apple gave me and put in crucial ram to top it up i think it would have been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds through apple if you wanted like 16 or 32 so yeah, I, I know you hear some horror stories, don't you, about people that have put in aftermarket RAM um, and they get random problems. But you know, touch wood, so far, <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> so it's, it's what I always used to do with um, with MacBook Pros and everything. When you could upgrade the RAM, is actually buy it from Crucial and upgrade. And I don't think I ever really had much of a problem. No, and Crucial are pretty good, aren't they? They kind of say, we guarantee this will work, and if it doesn't, just have your money back or whatever. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I mean, we've spoken about the, the potential Mac Pro and where it might sort of sit before, and my hope for a new Mac Pro is that it kind of sits in that category where it, it takes away the justification for building a Hackintosh. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you'll ever get it as cheap as the cheapest possible Hackintosh you could build, because that, that absolutely ludicrous but i think you know sort of similar spec amounts of cores available ram that sort of stuff um if probably type of processor as well i think that if the mac pro sort of occupies this spot where it's you know it's obviously a beefy machine in its base category but it's a machine that you can upgrade and it's a supported mac then I think that could be really, really appealing because part of the problem for me with a Hackintosh is, yeah, that's great. Okay, so I can build a Mac equivalent, as it were, for cheaper and sort of configure it and get the amount of drives in that I want and everything else. But it's not supported. The next time I go to upgrade the OS, I could lose parts of the functionality. And it, it turns into this thing that I have to support you know, for me, that that kind of nullifies having a Mac in the first place and using the platform. Yeah, I hope, I really hope that the Mac Pro sort of sits in that category where it's not going to be a cheap machine, but it is going to be a machine that sort of feels like it's worth investing in for that price because of the the upgradeability and having the options to do things like upgrade the RAM, put other drives in it. That's kind of my hope out of it. Yeah, I would. I'm trying to think if I was to look at sort of Apple.com and go to buy one, 
what I would do, I think I would probably, in the first instance, try and get the maximum amount of CPU while staying pretty light on everything else. Um, yeah. I mean, it depends how they offer it, because I know if you want to jump up in CPUs, quite often with like their, their packages, their pre-spec'd kind of um, machines, you end up in a position where, okay, so you want the next CPU... And then obviously the price goes up, but then you're also getting the next best GPU and you have to it comes with more RAM by default. So you're kind of paying for that stuff as well, even though maybe you only just want the CPU. Yeah, it sort of becomes like this combined sort of nudge, doesn't it? Yeah. Where it's like, okay, I really want that that bit, but when I get that bit, I get all of these other bits. So hey, do you know what? Just do it. <laughs> it's that sort of you get through the uh through the upgrade rungs very, very quickly if you if you're not careful. Yeah. Um, but given that it's such like a modular machine, or oh, I'm saying this is we don't even know what it is yet. But given that we hope it's going to be a, a modular modular machine, it would be really nice if you could buy one with. Let's say you're really desperate for a, a 12 core CPU, for whatever reason, or 10 core, whatever. Um, but you're not really fussed about graphics performance. Um, you can make do with a 512 SSD. It would be really nice if you could buy that, just as a you know a spec config. And then that allows you down the road to pop in the latest NVIDIA, whatever, that comes out and put in more SSDs um, as, as time goes on. Because I kind of look at this as maybe the machine that could, could last a good 10 years, really, if if you can kind of get the CPU right in the first place that could kind of stay with you all that time. It doesn't seem like a very Apple thing to do. When, when you look at how they typically operate, This this kind of feels uncomfortable almost like I'm going back into PC building territory where you can say, like, I just want this in my CPU and I don't care about these other components, so I'm just going to buy these bits and build this machine and that's fine because it's just for me and it's what I need. Whereas kind of when you move over to Apple territory, it's almost like they're saying, no, 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 this package is what you need and that's that. Yeah. And, and even when you get into kind of specking, you can only very kind of loosely spec them when you configure them yourselves. Um, so, yeah, it feels this all kind of feels quite unnatural to be talking about in the context of Apple. But then I think, yeah, the, the iMac Pro is out now. And that has almost addressed the Pro market in the traditional Apple way, in that you've got these kind of pre-configured machines um, that cost an absolute fortune, and here they are. Whereas maybe because they've behaved in the way that they always behave, in that you've kind of got these lockdown machines that you can't get inside of you can't upgrade the ram and you know, it's all soldered on and not modular at all maybe that opens the door for just this completely different approach for the mac pro if we, if we assume that it's going to be aimed at the pro market that likes to sort of tinker with all their stuff and it's very specific requirements it's almost like they've they've addressed the market in one way with the, the imac pro for for people that are pros that need the performance but really just aren't bothered about sort of tinkering with their own machines, they just want Apple to tell them what they need and basically just write a check. Maybe this Mac Pro can come at it from a totally different angle. I hope so. And I think um, I think if, even if it's just offering a sort of upgrade path for things like the graphics card, then that is going to open up all these other doors to sort of these, these machines being useful um, in ways that at the moment there just isn't anything inside of the Apple lineup that's that's useful in that way. Uh, one of the problems I've had sort of forever with with the trash can uh, Mac Pro is 
the graphics cards in that became out of date very, very quickly. And if you're into anything like um, like VR and that side of stuff, then you know they're just not the machines for that. And had there been a way to upgrade the, the GPU within those machines, then that was a door that could have been opened. And I think with the way things are going right now, I would, I personally would spec a machine for me based on on being able to run Xcode as fast as possible. You know, um, I'd, I'd like you were saying before, you sort of configure it for baseline um, as many G, uh, CPU cores as I can afford. Um, I probably wouldn't care about the graphics card up front, but if Apple brings out a set of AR glasses within the time that I've got that machine. And then all of a sudden I need like a, a big you know, beef, beefy GPU to sort of start getting into some of the aspects of that development, for example, uh, then it would be awesome to be able to go, okay, I can do this. I can just buy, you know, this, this GPU, uh, it would most likely be an NVIDIA or whatever, and that they've got drivers, they're supporting the graphics card, you know, um, and that I can just plug that in and I'm, I'm still on my Mac Pro. Off I go. Uh, rather than sort of like, okay, well, I just spent out the best part of probably three or 4,000 uh, UK, US to get this machine and set up with monitors and everything else and then kind of go, okay, well, I, I want to do this other type of task and this very expensive equipment can't do it. Yeah, I think that's the other side of the potential... The, the other side of the frustration with having these sort of hermetically sealed iMac Pros is that I would expect that machine to last a lot longer for that price. You know, my expectation of it personally would be that I, I, I want to get a good, you know, probably five years out of that machine at least before I'm sort of thinking about upgrading. And I don't see it. I think unless you, you've, you know, paid even more over the odds when you first set it up then i think the upgrade cycle is still going to be the same as as most every other apple product which is you kind of start thinking about being on a three or four year sort of rolling upgrade yeah i mean when i think about like a, a regular imac let's call it uh two thousand five hundred pounds for a decent imac let's say that's where i'm kind of thinking five years at least for that amount of money because that is a heck of a lot of money for a computer whichever whichever way you spin it it's a lot of money <laughs> and then you start looking at the imac pros i mean in the uk they start at 48.99 for the base yep. model um i know the 10 cores kind of being pushed in, in as, as kind of the the good compromise of single core speed versus multi-core speed therefore it's really good for developers um i mean that starts right. at 68.79 i think so ne- <laughs> nearly seven thousand pounds yeah, I mean that—that's that, like, like a car. <laughs> you know, exactly, you're to buy a new car for that, um, and then you think, oh, well, yeah. yeah, a lifespan of three to four years. I don't think so for that money. I'm thinking like a lifespan of a lot longer than that. Um, but then when you think about it, you just said it—they're so sealed up. That really is—is is there a way they can last that long when you can't upgrade them? Probably not. I think they'll still—they'll still have use and utility, you know, provided the the operating system is supported you know provided they can still receive upgrades in in that sort of sense then they're not going to suddenly stop being useful machines in in that extended time but 
it really is that sort of ability to kind of look ahead and go, well, okay, does this machine actually enable me to do tasks that I might not yet be be doing? You know, the like computational power increases over time. The type of things you want the computer to do are going to get more and more complex over time as well. Yeah, um, yeah it, it just it, it feels so short-sighted to me. So I sort of find them really quite frustrating machines as they are at the moment. And that's, yeah, that's my own problem. I'm sure they suit, you know, some people particularly well. And it's the right balance of, well, okay, I throw that much money at it and it's problem solved. You know, that, 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 that is, to my mind, that is probably where, where they sort of sit. But from a indie development perspective, for example, or bootstrapping sort of side of things where you're kind of watching how you're spending your money, I just could not see could not see it being worth sort of spending that much money on a sealed box. So, yeah, I really do hope that the the Mac Pro sort of comes in and kind of gives that that sort of option because I don't think it's a bad thing to be spending you know a good amount of money on the tools that you're doing to do your job. No, absolutely. But it, it's it's how long does that last for, and. Yeah, so upgradability perhaps gives a little bit more back in terms of that of that value. Yeah, I I think if you're spending that much, it almost needs to have upgradability as a feature to allow you to extend the life of that machine, which almost justifies that level of money in the first instance. Um, yeah, I mean, I accept that you know CPU sockets and things are going to change over the course of five or ten years if that's how long you intend to keep the machine. Therefore, CPU upgradability might not be sort of as far reaching as gpu upgradability um yeah but just being able to crack the thing open and put a new gpu in it put more ram in it put more ssds in it um maybe even upgrade the cpu um at a later date but obviously sort of just upgrading within the generation that was around at the time the machine launched if you if you're following yep. so maybe just like get a, a, a cpu that was more powerful than the one you've got off of ebay that was around at the time um but what, what you're describing there, though, Dave, is exactly the sort of behavior that people used to portray or used to do when we had the cheese grater Mac Pros. You know, that, that sort of upgrading is exactly what everybody was doing with, with the old Mac Pros uh, as I was looking into them and actually looking at doing that sort of... I was actually looking at buying one off of eBay and seeing if I could upgrade it and kind of take it ahead uh, a few years ago now sort of around about the I think probably 2011 sort of time I, I want to say um, there was yeah generationally there was this sort of spot where all the um, the 8 core cheese grater Mac Pros from I think 2008 were starting to reach a sort of price point on eBay second hand where, where they were kind of you know, reasonable but still powerful and then with a little bit of, of further investment I could have upgraded it and you know, had had a more modern GPU inside of them. Yeah, I was, um, I was reading about that actually this week. It's funny, funny you should bring that up. <laughs> I think it was the two thousand and eight or nine Mac Pro. I think it's like a they call it like the Mac Pro four comma one. That's kind of like their yeah. the Apple's model number. Um, but to run High Sierra, you need a, a five comma one. So people, I was reading this thing where people were buying the CPUs out of the five comma one, putting it in the the four comma one. So like the 2008 model um, and then yep. flashing it to become like a 5.1 <laughs> which then in turn means oh, wow. it can run Sierra which means they've got like the CPU from the next generation which obviously still fits the socket 
Um, yep. And because now macOS supports some like latest and greatest NVIDIA chips because of uh, whichever Mac now runs them, um, they managed to put in some kind of NVIDIA 1080 something something. I don't keep up with it now. But this really cool yep. graphics card anyway that's like really new and powerful, whack that in the Mac Pro and it's like, sweet, now I've got a really powerful machine for not that much money. <laughs> I kind of thought, wow, yeah. that's a... That's not a bad idea, actually, is it? <laughs> I'd be, I'd probably, it would give me pause. I'd have to look at it if, if say, like my, you know, say my iMac right now just like died, and I was like, oh no, I need to do something. I'd probably look at that as a potential solution, even even if it's only short term. Yeah, because it's still a Mac. Yeah, yeah. That that's the other side of it. It is still a supported machine, and I don't, I don't know. I think there, there there is a sort of niche within all of this that, that okay, it may not be how today's Apple really behaves, you know, in terms of that sort of upgradability kind of side of things. And then you've got a second-hand market, you know, that can wheel and deal and upgrade and do what they want. And, and, and they're not really giving any extra cash back to Apple directly. But I think there's a thing there within the sort of logic that I would hope Apple would employ, which is it's keeping people within the platform. You know, they they the machines are still not cheap up front. So they're still making their money when they first sell them. But then enthusiasts that want to do things like that, you know, take the the chips out of a different model or whatever, flash them, put new things in, they're, they're going to be on the fringes. But surely it's better to sort of still have these people within the platform. Absolutely. Yeah. Because they're going to, they'll, they'll buy other products as well. There'll be a sort of net effect. And yeah, it, it stops people going off and, and getting into the sort of hackintoshing scene, I guess, as well. Um, so. I don't know, big hopes, sort of high hopes out of what the, the Mac Pro might represent and, and certainly contrasting that against what the iMac Pro is as well. Um, I don't want to sort of talk down the iMac Pro just because it's something I couldn't potentially think about buying or, or would want to buy, but um, yeah, it's just a, quite a frustrating time, I think, within that within that end of stuff for Apple products as they are now. That um, yeah, I just really do hope that the Mac Pro brings that that kind of upgradability and and that opens up that side of things again to the platform because it it just sort of feels like it's missing at the moment. Yeah, everything you said about like sort of those people that are wheeling and dealing with old Mac Pro hardware being on the fringes, it would be nice if almost Apple would with this new Mac Pro would almost kind of allow that to continue with like a nod of approval. Yeah. In that, yeah, here's this new machine. It's really upgradable. You can fiddle with it. You can tinker with it. You can put new parts in it. Um, that's fine. Go at it. Because really, it's going to be such a small amount of people relative to their use, you know, their entire user base that are going to be doing that. Yeah. And by keeping them happy, it's kind of like they're going to be like natural salespeople for Apple in general as well. Because if they're really happy with their new Mac Pros that they're able to, you know, tinker around with, if someone says to them, you know, hey, I'm thinking of getting a new computer, what should I get? They're probably going to say get an Apple MacBook or or whatever, aren't they? So I think yeah, there's huge benefits to Apple on all sides here. And not only that, it'd be really fun to have a cool Mac Pro. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> so when you've saved up all of your all of your cash, <laughs> like all of it. And you've bought one of these new machines that don't exist just yet, but sort of this time next year, hopefully, maybe. Um, what are you going to do about monitors? Because at the moment, Apple don't make 
any monitors. No, but they did say they were going to, didn't they? But I probably wouldn't get one of theirs. That's that's no. just my gut feeling because, I mean, you look at the twenty-seven inch Thunderbolt display. What was that? Nine ninety-nine. It's like a thousand pounds for a screen that was not yep. that was non-retina. Um, yeah, sure, I know it's kind of like a Thunderbolt dock. Yeah, whatever. Um, but I can't imagine this new display they're working on being any cheaper, which probably rules it out on that basis. I would probably look to maybe something like LG and right. just kind of get three 4K LG monitors. You could probably kind of do that for similar sort of money <laughs> as to what one of <laughs> Apple's new screens would cost, I would imagine. That's probably a good point. You sort of end up with a bit of a matrix sort of setup yeah. in, in that case then. And not only that, I I find, this, this will sound really stupid maybe, but I find 27 inches maybe just a little bit too big as a screen. Um and let me just explain that because on the face of it that, that comment sounds really stupid but I used to run everything on my MacBook uh, 15 inch MacBook in full screen mode so I'd have a full screen Safari a full screen Xcode uh, full screen Mail full screen whatever and I would sort of pan across them um, using the, t- the touch pad and that was I found that to be a really great workflow but on the 27 inch I can't really do that because I find applications running full screen are just it's just a bit much, if that makes sense. It's just too much. So I tend yeah. I tend to have everything windowed, which I'm not a particular fan of. Um, right, because then you're managing the windows and dragging things around. Yeah, I would much rather have things full screen, but I think it doesn't really work out at full screen on a 27-inch. However, I did used to have a 24-inch um, 1920 by 1080 display. Um, yeah. And I found that to be a pretty nice balance of size versus kind of full screen ability so when i want things full screen things didn't feel so completely out of place on that and also um when i didn't go full screen i kind of had the the space to lay out my windows nicely if i wanted to go that route um so yeah thinking about it maybe some if such a monitor would exist a 24 inch 4k monitor might be a might be kind of what i'm looking for and if i can kind of get three of them at a decent price and have like the whole wraparound effect um yeah that'd be really nice so that'd probably be where I'd look if I if I was gonna I was gonna spend that level of money on monitors rather than getting one Apple monitor or whatever it costs. Probably look to do something like that with LG's monitors or or whoever else can provide one. Yeah. Um, I say this now. I haven't seen what Apple have made yet, and when I do see it, I'll probably be like, "Oh, I really want one of those," because it's probably gonna <laughs> look really nice. And yeah, three but, of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I don't know. I, I'd be, I'd actually be happy if they just made uh, their their sort of baseline iMacs have target display that could be used in combination with with the new Mac Pro. So that's a lot of expense, I know, but as time goes on, that could become really quite cool. I'm sort of thinking in terms of as those machines sort of become cheaper on the second hand market. You know, buying a couple more to then use as, as extra monitors could be quite cool. <laughs> um, also, a potential sort of jumping on kind of path where I could sort of say, okay, if I get that 5K iMac now, but I'm going to get a Mac Pro a year down the line or whatever, then I can sort of think, okay, well, expect that as low as I can put up with for that time and then, you know, get the Mac Pro, plug it in, and I've, I've got my five 5K monitor. Might be a bit daft, but I sort of think, well, 
you know, Apple are not really going to lose again in that sort of aspect because they'll they'll still be making more per machine than they would do on a monitor. And yet, you know, it's that sort of there. Well, okay, you want to use an Apple monitor, just just buy the iMac of the right size and hook it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, not sure I can you know, see them doing that somehow. <laughs> well, you know, the, the base the base sort of four K model could. It's still way overpriced for what you're going to want to do, but do you know? I don't think it's such a bad idea overall. Just supporting target display anyway. Yeah, um, I, th- I think the difficulty is at the moment, um, or certainly at the time when my five came out, uh, iMac came out, was being able to put that bandwidth over a Thunderbolt two that was out at the time. Yeah, and um, actually pipe it back out of the machine. Yeah, I mean, they managed to kind of do some internal sort of hackery with um, the GPU to the display that's all happening inside the iMac, so I'm kind of none the wiser to it as as a user. Um, yes. But, yeah, actually getting wires from another machine at a 5K resolution to sort of the generation of iMac I've got, I don't think it's possible. I'm not sure if it's possible now with Thunderbolt 3 and things like that. It might be. It might be possible, but I don't think machines do it. Yeah. Um, it was it was something that sort of died a death at that transition, really. So the older I, iMacs, um, sort of prior to that, that with the twenty-seven inch, but the same resolution as the old Thunderbolt display. Yeah, they could be put in target display mode, and I actually used one um, last year at at Swipe and Tap uh, with with my old thirteen-inch MacBook Pro, and sort of put their their machine into target display mode, hooked it in, and used it like a twenty-seven inch Thunderbolt display. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty cool actually. Was it kind of stable? Um, I've never done that before with an iMac. I mean, it doesn't sort of like flip out of target display mode and all of a sudden turns back into an iMac when you're least expecting it. No, it was ab- absolutely fine. Um, I think if I, I unplugged my machine and then came back, sometimes I'd have to sort of restart the iMac to sort of get it to work as a display again. But if you sort of sat at the desk all day with it in that configuration, it was absolutely fine. Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFRpodcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads. That's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com. Again, that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? Yeah, you can find my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com, my latest app to help kids learn to read. You can find at spacereaders.com. And on Twitter, I'm at underscore Dave Knott.